mm-hmm. you know a lot of our great artists have to sometimes deal with those issues and sometimes we never know that might be part of it that make them great mm-hmm. you know the faults and the greatness inside of you and she's definitely showed all of those things in her life and gave us great music and she you know she stood for something you know you don't got a lot of artists today that stand for anything you know and it was a little more palatable she, you know, uh, during her lifetime, she was a friend of black nationalism. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, For sure. Malcolm X, follower of Malcolm X, mm-hmm. uh, a friend of Stokely Carmichael, and, uh, you know, was very involved. I mean, she, you know, discussed and read, uh, you know, Marx, Lenin, and, you know, of course, the mm-hmm. black radical thinkers uh, yeah. as well. So, uh, you know, big shout out to Nina Simone's, her music. Uh, I know there's a lot of her cuts that I like a lot. Uh, some of the ones we played uh, before the meeting uh, was like... Uh, uh, Mississippi Goddamn. Uh, yeah. Also, the song that she uh, sung in commemoration of uh, Dr. King's assassination. Um, don't let me be, don't let me be misunderstood. Even her first hit, I liked a lot. The I love you, Porgy. Yeah, I love yeah. you, Porgy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the sounds on that. It, I mean, once you hear that, you never forget it. I feel like if she you're a fan def- of music, you hear that song. You hear Nina Simone's unique voice on there. Yeah. Uh, and it's something you never gonna forget. Her voice went definitely perfect with her piano. Oh yeah, you know her piano skills, high level pianist to me. Um, the highest, bro. You yes. know what I'm saying? Um, and she definitely was very, very well versed um, in playing the piano. Played a lot of different ranges and styles too, because sometimes her stuff can sound like, you know, definitely you see hear gospel in it, but it can sound bluesy. It can sound folkish. It, you know what I'm saying? So she did a lot of different things. And mm-hmm. then, too, I will say this. Like, that song, Mississippi, um, was that Mississippi Burning, you say? M- Mississippi Goddamn. Mississippi Goddamn. She pretty much got blackballed for that, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, and uh, I guess uh, just speaking about her style, of course, heavily rooted in gospel music. Uh, you know, uh, her mother was a Methodist uh, minister. Uh, in the set. Wasn't her father one, too? Yeah, I mean, yeah. her father's name was Reverend John Devane uh, Wayman. You know, Nina Simone, uh, she was born at uh, Eunice Kathleen Wayman. Uh, and like we said, February 21st, 1933. Born in uh, North Carolina. Tri- uh, tri- how's it pronounced, uh, Aki? Tryon? Tryon. Tryon, North Carolina. At first I was saying Tyrone. You know, <laughs> you know I was switching yeah, some of the letters. Yeah. Some of the letters around. I used to live on North Tryon. Oh, word. Yeah, we had a street in Charlotte called North Tryon. Okay, okay. So, uh... Yeah, Key. Uh, I mean, we're going to keep it moving. We mentioned one of her greatest influences in her life uh, was Malcolm X. And also, uh, you know, unfortunately, tragically, February 21st, 1965 is uh, the day that we lost our brother, uh, Malcolm X, El Haj Malik El Sabaz. Oh, so, uh, you know, uh, I guess you know. Speak on Malcolm X's legacy, Aki. I mean, I mean, w- w- I guess in 2022, you know, w- what's something that you know we should be meditating on as we as we pause here? We you know it's not a day that we, you know, celebrate his life like we do his birthday. Yeah. But you know, what I'm saying uh, the commemoration, uh, the remembrance of his loss. Uh, what does that mean for you in 2022? I mean, that that lets us know something. It should be a warning to all black men. And people who are serious about trying to liberate their people that um, sometimes, you know, you have to be willing to put your life on the line, be willing to go. Um, And not even the point of being willing to go, but knowing that you're probably going to go from this, you know. Um, 
lot of lessons in Malcolm's life and his death. You know, there's still, you know, certain uh, conspiracies and rumors around his death. You know, we did shows about that before. Um, but what is obvious is that you can have enemies within and without mm-hmm. a movement. And, you know, he's just a symbol a great symbol for us. He's a symbol that we can attach ourselves to. Um, Question for you, Aki. Um, Malcolm X, you know, uh, towards, you know, the last year, year and a half of his life, what was some of the, I guess, uh, some of what went into making him a growing threat to the forces that, you know, came together and killed him? Uh, His uh, joining the Negro struggle in America to the international struggle of... um, Specifically, Pan African nationalism with uh, the likes of Kwame Nkrumah and Patrice Lumumba and other brothers that was over there on the continent. He was trying to make that connection and that bridge. He was already always sort of international to me because he always spoke against the um, the war in Vietnam and things of that, that such nature. He was doing that when he was in the nation. But um, when he definitely started making that connection in those bridges and also um, pursuing avenues of you know, legal means, you know, legal means being taken place for the African-American and international court systems and charges and things of like such nature being filed against the United States for his crimes against us. So it was a lot of different things Malcolm was working on and generating with. Oh, yeah. We we spoke before about uh, Malcolm's uh, push for uh, a plebiscite. Yeah. Uh, uh, an internationally recognized, uh, like, a political body that yeah. represents, uh, you know, the, the I guess, the grievances of black America, of Afro-Americans. Yeah. He would probably call us. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and, I'm, I, of course, that had great implications, you know. Uh, and really shows a divergence from the path that ended up being taken, you know, mm-hmm. after the leadership of, of course, Malcolm X and Dr. King yeah. and, and others during, you know, the 60s. And I mean, you, know, you got to think that 60s man was some hell of a, you know, a lot of African countries was getting independent. We had the civil rights movement jumping off over here. But at the same time, a lot of the leaders were being taken out back then. They ain't play. Oh, they get well, rid of you fast. They, they wanted to stop the uh, possible rise of a... Black Messiah. Right. You know, so they, they took out a lot, you know. Um, in the time period that Nkrumah got in office, they tried to dethrone him. They, they um, and they did dethrone, they did dethrone him or took him out of his presidency. You know, collusion of the United States government with England. You also had the situation with Patrice Lumumba in Africa, who was also um, taken down and murdered with the help of people within his own government, or I should say his right-hand man, um, the United States and France. You had the assassination of Malcolm X here in the United States, you know, um, by the hands of the United States, America, and, and people of his own kind. You had the assassination of Martin Luther King via white supremacy in the United States. So, you know, we had a lot of the mega evers and tons of other people that was being taken out at the time, you know, who could have or who were doing that work. Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton, you know. And he was younger than all of them and came a little later, you know, but he was right in that time period. And we got to just think about, uh, of course, what we know as, you know, scholars of this history, but also the, the film 
Judas and the Black Messiah, how that really showed yeah. uh, the federal uh, uh, involvement. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and and uh, his murder. Yeah, like it's it's like for me, Malcolm shows the ultimate street grassroots activist, black activist. What is what 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 comes with this? You know, you trying to organize with people that you may you know who who can turn on you sometimes. You know, um, I love my people, but we didn't made a lot of mistakes. And the situation with Malcolm was one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, that was one of them right there. Yeah. No, for sure, Aki. And just uh, just thinking about the importance, you know, that even that, that Malcolm stayed committed to throughout his life, his whole life, uh, organizing. Yeah. And uh, just, you know, yeah, I mean, there are certainly lessons to be learned uh, or organizational lessons. Oh, yeah. Uh, from uh, the, the organization of Afro-American Unity. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, uh, I'm thinking, you know, uh, of course, part really one event uh, that really uh, contributed to his growing infamy, I guess, uh, in the Western intelligence community, was his trips abroad. Yeah, and uh, I think her name is Maria Sher- Sherwood, or I could be messing up the, the author's name, but uh, it, it's a book about the uh, the travels of Malcolm X abroad. Ah. And, um, you know, in it, uh, you know, of course, you're going to learn about his growing Pan-Africanism and his Pan-African nationalism. Like you talked about Aki. Yeah. But also uh, you see him working through the process of trying to develop and organize the organization of Afro-American unity. Yeah. Even while abroad. And this is, this organization is in its infancy. Yeah. You know, so that's why you see, uh, you know, in the period where, you know, he's turned away from France. Uh, you know, in the last few months or uh, last weeks of his life, poison, and, and you know his increasing focus on you know being in Harlem to build up the Afro American unity. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you mentioned you mentioned too. I keep poison while he's abroad. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, it, it really shows you what you know organizing, organizing, and duress can look like. You know, uh, yeah. in, in in some of the pitfalls of doing that, and the need to you know. Um, you know, develop, you know, uh, organizational structure that can withstand, you know what I'm saying, you know, uh, that can withstand that type of uh, repression. And, you know, to be able to deal with all of that type of stuff, and and, and that's the strong thing about it. He dealt with all of that stuff and was still and was still considered, and it was still a good father. Mm-hmm. You know, he had to do all that and still be a father and a husband. Mm-hmm. You know that's a that's a tough task, right there. House firebomb too. You know, yeah. You didn't, you know, you dealt with a lot. So, you know, it just shows to me that endurance that it takes. That you know, what I'm saying that wherewithal. Um, you know, we, you know, as just like you say, we celebrate normally Malcolm's life on his uh his birthday. Mm-hmm. You know, but on his uh departure day, we you know we like to reflect back on what Malcolm. You know, just when you reflect back on what that person mm-hmm. did, you know, and with he, with those type of sacrifices that were made, and what yeah, what the sacrifices call out for us to do, yeah, and for how how we should conduct ourselves, uh, you know, if there's anything his death can offer us, you know, that's one positive it can offer yeah. us. I mean, uh, and that second, we have to deal with. That, and I said like this, his death offered him, he got eternal life. Mm, oh, internally. You know, what I'm saying that's how that's how that's that's how it goes. When you do it right, you get eternal life. Shit that people pay millions to get. 
know? Facts are key. Facts. Uh, and <laughs> they can't, you know, some of these folk can't understand it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it just makes sense to us. Yeah. It, it, it makes, makes sense. sense. That's all. Um, all right, bet. Uh, so, uh, let's keep it moving, Aki. Uh, we're going to go to a little bit more, I guess, uh, popular news, contemporary news, I should say. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about um, so that, uh, the racial discrimination case that Brian Flores, a black coach. Uh, I don't think he ever made the position of head coach, yeah. although he uh, was, you know, interviewing for those type of positions. Yeah. And his experience with uh, that process let I, I think in part at least led him to mm-hmm. file this racial discrimination lawsuit against the NFL, and um, so of course you you know you have your certain commentators online that support him or don't support him, and uh, you know it's funny that you see you know some writers on it you know that recognize that you know there's some racial discrimination in the hiring process yeah. and they're commit they're committed to incremental reform or whatever the case may be yeah. whether they're inside the NFL or outside as a media or you know whatever but uh you know when the shit hits the fan you know what like Kendrick said when shit mm-hmm. hit the fan is you still a fan yeah. you know what I'm saying like when shit hit the fan are you still going to hold that position yeah and uh you see a lot of people you know what I'm saying not wanting to talk about racism or you know what I'm saying got other things to say about it but uh, I keep going to tell the people uh, as far as the interesting tidbit of this news that we picked up on as far as the NFL's uh, choice of legal representation in this process. Well, you know, in the, uh, in the era of uh, black girl magic and, and the BLM, you know, they got uh, Loretta Lynch, former... What was that? Attorney General? Who was it? Attorney General? Yeah. Attorney General, President Obama, to represent the NFL. Real simple, they got a nigga. Ain't that some shit? I mean, it's telling what type of mode we in. And, uh, you know, for a black woman or a black person of any gender, it don't matter, you know, yeah. to allow themselves to represent the NFL against. You know, this is a pretty, uh, I won't say, you know. Uh, this shit been going on for a minute. It's been going on People for a minute. People been complaining about this for a long time. This is the second time this has popped up in my life. And it's known, you know what I'm saying? It's you know, very known that this is going on. do make no sense. 75% of the NFL is brothers. Brothers out there, seventy five percent is brothers out there breaking their bodies, catching injuries, concussions, and all other types of shit. And it shows that you know some people willing to move as an American or as an individual, and not American, and not as a unit. You know what I'm saying? Because I mean, this is like a low hanging fruit compared to the more oppressing political agenda items we got that we need to show unity for, no doubt, right? But but that's what I'm saying. This is low hanging fruit. This should be. Uh, you know, maybe a, a one that we more readily might, you know what I'm saying, act in accordance on, like, no, we're not going to, I mean, this is a league that benefits from people bashing their heads in, yeah. you know what I'm saying, people, you know what I'm saying, don't got guaranteed contracts, and, you know, we know all this, all this shit is compounded on top of each other yeah. in, in terms of football as a sport and as an yeah. American institution. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, Aki, yeah. I mean, it's just more simple. It's like this. If, how is it that the 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 
the the percentage of players in the NBA, I mean, in the NFL. I don't necessarily know how many teams there are in the NFL exactly, mm-hmm. but I do know it's only, I think it's only one black coach. And it may not only be one now. So that couldn't possibly be the case where you got 75% of the league being made up of you. You know, um, I remember hearing before complaints about this on the quarterback level. But, you know, that sort of phased over, too. Um, it's just really a, a situation to where, as you know, we got to stick together and be on each other's side, man, and things of that such nature, you know. Um, but Loretta Lynch has never really shown herself to be on our side anyway. So, you know, it doesn't really, it's not no shock to me that she did it. It's just like, wow, you know, this is what you gave us, Obama. So, you know, this this is what we dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but she ain't never. It ain't like she ain't. It's like it's not like she betrayed something. I don't think she's ever been loyal. No, no, I agree. You know what I'm saying? I, I agree. I think you know mainly this is just about you know, I guess further revealing to us. You know what I'm saying? How the system seeks to placate us against each other with you know with these symbols. And you know, and and, and granted, I don't think Loretta Lynch is the primary lawyer for the NFL. True, indeed. I think she's, like, after her work for Barack Obama's administration, yeah. she went into private practice with the firm that the NFL hired, that she's a higher up on, and she's, you know, uh, going to be on the case for the NFL. She's chosen as one of the representatives to, you know, to work with the NFL. I, I, I got you. I got you. Uh, but, you know, uh, I mean, it really does show you, like, Barack Obama-style black politics mm-hmm. as far as... Uh, you know, uh, this, you know, something just Americanized, mm-hmm. homogenized for the current system to be safe and incremental. And, you know, like, like just like Obama, uh, you know, this moderate conservative type flavor. You know what I'm saying? That, of course, is popular in the NFL type. I mean, you know, ain't, ain't shit new under the sun. So, you know, I mean, that's the era we in. We can sort of go on into that. We can sort of see it right now in the climate. Um, even you, you sort of you can see that in the climate, and then also you know with the situation that's going on with the Supreme Court and the demands on that. So you know, it's a lot of little different things that's going on that just make that. In- oh yeah, Joe. Uh, that's Joe Biden's. You know, the mandate he played for himself that he's going to let the black woman to the Supreme Court. Yeah, you know, what yeah. I'm saying so. Um, you know, I mean, so we're, we're seeing the performative politics. Is what yeah, you're saying, Aki? Yeah, you're trying to set yourself up for. You're trying to get back in there for a second term. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he didn't. You know, uh, got his supply of blood because uh, <laughs> right. he damn sure looking like a vampire by right now. Anyway, moving on to the next subject. So, uh, next subject, Aki. Uh, this is the sentencing. This is leading up uh, to the sentencing of Kim Potter, where the video that we're about to discuss. Uh, and this is the the judge that is, I guess proceeded over her case. I'm not sure if the judge is the one that's going to hand down the sentence or the jury decides the sentence. I'm not sure how it's decided in that state. Mm-hmm. But it seems like this is the judge recommending. So this is Judge Chu. It's, this is, I believe, what appears to be an Asian woman. And she is uh, getting emotional, uh, you know, from her ju- from her position as judge in the courtroom. Uh, reading the explanation why she believes Kim Potter deserves a significantly lower uh, penalty or or amount of years punishment for uh, her murder of Dante Wright. And this is the woman that, uh, you know, so-called made the mistake of using her 
Glock. Instead of her taser. Instead of her taser. I ain't never had no taser that felt like a Glock. Ever. They're, they're purposely made not to feel like each other. Exactly. Or look like each other. Or behave like each other. So the mistake don't happen. Uh, and here's a quote. Officer Potter made a mistake that ended tragically. She never intended to hurt anyone. So this is the judge on the, on the stand crying, saying this white woman that killed the black man did not inter- intend to hurt anyone. It, does a taser hurt? Taser hurt. Like, I've been tased twice. So a taser hurt, right? That shit hurt. You you will piss on yourself. Some people piss and shit on you. They sell. You like a fish. You ever seen a fish when the fish jump out the water? The so salmon the, jump out the water. The, so this is just pure emotionalism then. Yeah, that's pure emotionalism. Because even if you shoot, if you shoot a nigga with a taser, that shit hurt. It hurts. Or he is ain't that, running no more. Or is that shit just not supposed to? Or is that show, is that so normalized? Is a taser so normalized that this judge can make this claim that she never intended to hurt anybody? Well, you already know what they say. Just because she didn't mean to shoot him with a bullet. They say niggas are built a little different. You got you know we tape, tasers don't work on them. Yeah, we see how that. Yeah, bro, you right. Worked on my ass twice. It works. <laughs> That's crazy, man. So, uh, I guess you know, just to keep it moving, Aki. Um, you know, there, there's a few uh, uh, news items from around the country that we're gonna get into. We got one from Portland. We got one from Louisville and one from Houston. So let's uh, let's go ahead and start with the Houston one. Uh, just to give the people some quick updates on, you know, some of the little stuff going around and kind of, you know, apply our analysis to it, you know, from our revolutionary black nationalist perspective. Uh, so we have Cherry on Lockett in Houston. Uh, he's a young brother, I think, you know, definitely in his 20s. I forget the exact age. Yeah. Uh, had a legal uh, permit for his firearm, right? Yeah. So he's a legal gun carrier in the state of Texas. Did it right. Did it the right way. He gets rolled up on by uh, majority unmarked police vehicles. It seemed like the unmarked was there first. That's how they get You know down. what I'm saying? But, you know, the news item going to spin is like there was marked and unmarked marked, cars. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, the, the, yeah. yeah, we know how y'all moved, though. Yeah. We know how y'all, y'all not yeah. pulling up and everybody unmarking. And everybody was in plain clothes, too. The niggas that shot, the, the crackers that shot them, excuse my language, <laughs> the crackers that shot them, uh, plain clothes officers. And uh, so this is a brother that, you know, he was accused by somebody that uh, had a criminal past yeah. of committing a robbery. Yes. So it wasn't even like he was, uh, uh, I guess, being accused of, like, murder or something yeah. like that. He wasn't even technically charged yet. They was really supposed to be coming in just to question him, honestly. They rolled up on this young man, our brother. Life six deep. Not just pistols, Zaki. Yeah. We seen rifles. Yeah, they we- had the good. They had the vest on and everything. My man was when he he his door. He pulled a straight. That's how that's how homies do it in the hood. The door is open. He firing while the car's still rolling. Tell him, Zaki. Door open. One leg out. Arm out. He busting. Pop, 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 pop. The- they saying he busted them first. But the, and the family's saying that the videos, that all the videos that released have not shown Cherry on firing first, mm. or nor any cops announcing their presence. Yeah. So no cops even announce their presence. And they're rolling up on this man in his driveway as he's walking in the crib. You know what I'm saying? So I think when, when he fell from their shots, yeah. he was inside the door frame, his yeah. front door frame. Yeah. Uh, they say they found this gun. 
You know, he had a drum on it. Um, which I I mean, you know, be in Houston. That's how Texas, you know, that's what they do. Uh I want us to know the chain of evidence on the drum. That too. Because how many how many you can tell if that if it was fully loaded, how many shots were spent? How many shots were spent? You will know and you'll know if that gun was fired. You know. I mean, you know, this right here is just, you know, when you think you did it right. Right. When you think, you know, I'm going to go, I ain't got no charges. I'm safe in these streets. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go out here and I'm going to go ahead and get me a legal gun to defend myself out here. You know what I'm saying? Right to bear arms. You know what I'm saying? And uh, stand your ground, you know, and um, you still get shot down by police. So I I think all these incidents we're talking about our kids just showing that even though the the national news is maybe talking about other shit, you know what I'm saying? They talking about Russia and shit now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's the big thing now. Every, you know, every week. Russia and Putin. Every week, Biden is up in the stakes. Yeah. They have their finger hovering over the nuclear button right now. <laughs> we are on good intelligence. <laughs> Both of them look like vampires. Putin. And both of them do, bro. I'm telling you, they they got alien whiteness going on over there. Anyway, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, though. Right. But, uh, yeah, man, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the, the real shit that's going on out here, the shit ain't stopped. You know, you know, black men being murdered is a commodity of America. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even while the, the news looks away or, or it's not passe anymore, you know, what, what does a post-Black Lives Matter, you know, you know, capitalist society look like for black men. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Because the sympathy that we was half-assed handed to us yeah. during the Black Lives Matter era, half-assed, yeah. you know, sympathy for black men was half-assed. Yeah. To say it lightly yes. during the Black Lives Matter era. True sympathy for black men. Yeah. With what was allowed to be out there in the discourse and what was allowed to be said about the black community black leadership and about black men mm-hmm. uh, what was allowed to proliferate yeah. you know what I'm saying was uh, half-assed bullshit and hey, we, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, y'all know how we rolling it but we saying it lightly right now Yeah, it, it, it's just your name so yeah I mean for me these stories is just showing this heightening tension you know what I'm saying because uh, the contradictions are rising up you know, and uh, you know, it's time we take that confidence step forward. But to keep the news rolling, uh, you know, we also can talk about uh, in Louisville, uh, Black Lives Matter activist uh, Quintez Brown uh, was inv- a brother that was involved in the Breonna Taylor uh, campaign. Yeah, activism. Activism directly connected on the streets in in that struggle, right? He, uh, I think it said in, in where was it? Um, maybe within the, within the past year, it mm-hmm. said that uh, he went through an episode where he was missing for two weeks. Yeah. And, you know, they suspected that he was going through some mental health challenges. Right? Uh, well, just, you know, within, I think this was, what, within the past uh, week or two, uh, he ends up trying to shoot a Kentucky mayoral candidate. Greg Greenberg started busting. Craig, yeah, I'm sorry, Craig Greenberg. So Quintez Brown, our brother, walks into the the campaign office and starts unloading. 
Uh, well, I actually let me not say unload them because I'm not sure how many fire, how many shots was fired. Yeah. And uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, we won't get into conspiracy theories, you know what I'm saying, about this case. Yeah, I got some conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah. I don't normally roll that way, but you know, I got some conspiracy theories to this one. Anyone any you wanna share? I'm just saying you get missing for three weeks and then you come back and all of a sudden you busting at officers and you wasn't doing that shit before. It, it could, you know what I'm saying? Unless like, he got abducted by some black power nationalist aliens but see this is you know what i'm saying like i think i i no nah, i i take it you know what i'm saying could have had a breaking point i i, I take it as like a breaking point you know yeah. and it, yet this was a, a this was a brother quintez brown that was you know even through his mental health struggles had thoughts about getting on the city council yeah and uh participating in local politics yeah uh you know this is this is somebody who i think was a leader you know what i'm saying as a young man yeah. in this community and all the pressures and expectations that come with that all the expectations you set for yourself yeah the healthy and unhealthy ones yeah you know what i'm saying and uh how viciously those go unmet in this black lives matter era yeah you know not only by our oppressor's fault but also our own misdirection and misleadership mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying uh and just being candid, you know what I'm saying, and brutally honest about it, you know what I'm saying. I think it's time for that type of honesty now. Yeah. But uh and that's as a collective, you know what I'm saying, not anything particular about Quintess Brown's leadership, but we know what kind of cards are being dealt to people. You know, I know somewhat firsthand what the pressures of being a leader. Yeah. And you know what I'm saying, I, you know, given his mental health issues in the past and m- maybe not having no form to really discuss those or progress with those. Mm. Uh, you know, you never know what type of trauma he went through in the past. I could, I could definitely see this brother going through a breaking point, and uh, you know, maybe something leading him to, you know, believe that, you know, doing that is something he was, you know, supposed to do. And you know, I definitely don't advocate for that type of senseless violence. Uh, you know, that that helps nobody. And you know, now you have uh, his family devastated. A brother about to be locked up. Resources and attention going to. Something you know, and, and like it needs to, no doubt. But this is a tragic situation, you know. Uh, so yeah, I can. I mean, any other words on that? I know I said a lot right there, but you know. I mean, mental health is real, you know. But uh, activism is stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look and see the work you have been doing, may have it be. You may feel like it may have been in vain right. or it's been taken um, for granted. Right. Um, taking advantage of. Taking advantage of, yeah. You know, you get to a point where you be like, you know what, I'm going ahead and do it. I feel it needs to be done. You know, um, some people may have those thoughts, but they're able to get around other people or have other avenues of filtering those type of feelings and things outside of themselves. You know, so... um you know, he might have didn't get that. No, he might have gotten all of that and still said, hey, this is what it is. Yeah. You know, so, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tragedy, you know. We, we losing a brother um, or a potential loss of a brother um, and a good activist from what I'm told, you know. But, um, you know, may the ancestors be with him and, you know, hopefully he make it out of this, you know, in a decent sound the same way.
we all didn't have breaking points. I didn't have a snap moment a couple of times in my damn self. So it's definitely quite possible. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, definitely prayers up, you know what I'm saying? And uh, hopefully the ancestors directing their energies towards, you know, helping provide that man with the support and the clarity that he needs in this moment because he yeah. got some trying times ahead, you know. And uh, definitely, you know what I'm saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a note myself to, uh, you know, I, I guess I kind of expect him to get locked up for this, but, you know, there are some mental health challenges, so we don't know the situation, but if any of his contact information becomes available, you know what I'm saying, yeah. I try to make that available uh, to myself and to you all as uh, viewers. That's what's up. Um... But uh, we got one more incident to talk about. This is uh, another tragic situation in Portland. Uh, this was a protest uh, to honor the uh, movements and the legacies, the movements around and legacies of Amira Locke and Dante Wright um, that were killed, both killed in Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, also, this took place in Portland, uh, so they were showing solidarity. Also, this was about uh, a brother that was lost in portland uh named patrick kimmins yeah uh he was killed by the police in 2018 so even this recent pro it happened over the weekend yeah they're still and you know doing so in remembrance of uh brother patrick kimmins yeah like memorials and stuff exactly yeah. uh and he was uh, he was like we said killed by the police and his family is uh you know definitely alleges that the police were were wrong in doing so and i mean uh from what we saw me and Aki can both attest to that he never pointed his weapon at the police At the police, yeah uh, But like we said A tragic situation There But anyways uh, Over the weekend in Portland At this protest Armed protesters uh, It's not clear right now If they were involved With Black Lives Matter Or Antifa yeah. Or just exactly what the Maybe hybridity Of those two groups Yeah Are Have in, in Portland Yeah uh, I think Antifa has a little presence In Portland Right uh, and Black Lives Matter probably do too now. A lot of the people that we could see from the newsreel footage in, involved with the protest movement did seem to be white folk. Yeah. Uh, Non-black folk. Yeah. Uh, a, a significant number. I said maybe the majority. Probably the majority. Yeah. Uh, from what you know, from what was in it. This happened at uh, Normandale Park in Portland, and uh, there's an armed confrontation. Uh, armed confrontation between uh, a white neighbor. I believe, you know, uh, expected to be white neighbor and uh, several armed, at least that the news described them as armed protesters. Yeah. You know, you know, the, this neighbor armed with a gun. Yeah. What were the protesters armed with? Sticks and signs? Yeah. You know, or did they have weapons? You know, it's not clear just with the word, the armed word. Yeah. And uh, it didn't seem like they, you know, the neighbor that, that shot into the crowd, you know, he killed one and injured five. Yeah. You know, and but you know the news and the media's you know shush right now on the exact details, which is suspect as hell. Suspect as hell. I mean, this takes us back to the Patrick Kimmons uh, killing in 2018. We talked about this, Aki. The police talk even gloated. You know, uh, usually we be waiting to release yeah. footage, but you know, once they have some we footage, they need to release it sooner. Once you have footage of black men doing something violent on camera, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Which you know. Uh, it puts the stamp of approval in this in this society on his death, on yeah. his execution. Yeah. And that's definitely what we saw in the Gives video. Gives them reasonable doubt. Right. <laughs> even if he didn't have uh, his weapon pointed or even knew the police were where they was at. Yeah, it looked like he didn't see him. Right. 
that was uh wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They let his shit off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but, you know, not to get stuck on that, uh, you know, we, we you know, again, it just shows the rise in tension, you know. So we have, uh, I believe it might have been a white woman that was killed. If I'm not mistaken, there's a white woman that was killed. <laughs> yeah, she got, she got popped. Yeah, th- this is at the Normandale uh, joint. Uh, but also five other people were shot. Yeah. So. Uh, I mean, it's a tragedy when anybody gets shot or, you know, because that shit don't feel good at all. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, white folks should shoot white folks. Oh yeah, especially over some shit like like race. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, There's plenty of clan members who didn't shot a white white a white man or a white woman because they said they was a nigger lover or acting niggardly. <laughs> right, know? right so, though. So it, it, you know it, they can get it too. Mm-hmm. Um, in that sense, you know. Um, but that's the thing. In Portland, you know, first thing I think, like, Portland? Is it any black folks in Portland? I know it's some black folks in Portland. But I ain't know I ain't know if we was deeper or such like that. But I know Antifa be out there. You know, they they love the West Coast. Yeah, no, you're right, Ike. I think for me, you know what I'm saying, this last little segment we just went through, uh, just really just speak to the need for us all to do what we can to get uh, armed and ready. You know what I'm saying? To just yeah. get prepared for whatever's to come. You know what I'm saying, and uh, not—we're not talking about no reckless violence. Yeah. But I mean, we're seeing that you know the society is increasingly becoming violent. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and you know the danger on the black man's life is severe and significant. Black man had a price on his head when he got off the boat, and he still got one on there. Oh yeah, for sure. So, for sure. You know, the slave master ain't never stopped chasing. Mm-hmm. The slave catchers are still out there. So you know. All of this leading yeah. to the what we call the fire this time, Aki. Fire you know what I'm saying? Time. That we experiencing and living through. You know. It's just the heat. Yeah. You know, it ain't nothing new. We've been in this fire, we've been in this burning house for a long time. Fire, yep. You know. Burning house that Malcolm prophesied. We've been standing in it for a long time. So the flames ain't too much. We know how to deal with that folks. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We just gonna we gonna make sure we out of this before it burn. Yep. Yeah, we need to be, uh, you know, getting supplies and getting started building something outside this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? All right, don't, don't be don't be wasting supplies trying to board up a, a burning house. Need to have your other spot set up. Right, <laughs> right. Don't don't be wasting your 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 wood, your good wood. You know, trying to you know rebuild the support of a burning house. Throwing water on shit that ain't coming out now. Nah. You you nailing extra wood and support beams. Shit is on fire on, from the foundation. On fire. It's from it's on fire from the foundation. But with that said, y'all, you know we just gonna leave y'all on this one. Yep. Episode forty one. You know, fire this time. You know, for the people. Always, I'm Akita G. My name is Sonny Ture, and hope y'all uh, appreciated episode 41. Catch y'all next week. Peace. Peace.